Hello, my podcast listeners. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the In Search of God's Instructions podcast. I'm your host, Shirley Vincent, and every week I invite you to join me for support and encouragement on your journey to a deeper understanding of the spiritual way that God wants His children to live. We are all in the spiritual walk of life together, but no matter the storms you face, if you search for His instructions, He will bring you through. Let us begin with the prayer. We thank you, Abba Yah, for coming to you once again as we study your word. Many of us are concerned about taking the coronavirus vaccine. We're concerned about our families. We're concerned about losing jobs, income, our ability to support ourselves and our families. We're concerned about the things that are happening in our politics, in our government. The entire country seemed to be falling apart, and we are in constant disagreement with one another. And this disagreement comes as you said that it would come. In the last days, a great separation. Those who want to live a life of lawlessness opposed to those who want to live a life of lawfulness. Be with us as we look into the scriptures, trying to make heads or tails of what is happening in our times these days. Walk with us, Father. Keep us in your safety and in your peace. Have mercy on us. Forgive us of our sins and transgressions against you. And help us to forgive the sins and transgressions of others towards us. And we ask you to lead us and guide us through these troubled times that we are in. Please watch over our families, our children, our loved ones, and help others to find understanding as they endeavor to walk this path of seeking you in order to become a member of your kingdom. All these things, Father, we ask and pray for in the name of Yehoshua, our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. This podcast does not condone anti-Semitism, racism, anti-Catholicism, or any religious practice a person chooses for his or her life. Today's study is going to be about the end times that seem to be approaching us faster and faster almost every day. Something new is happening. There is some new event taking place that adds on to the already burdensome events that have been taking place since earlier this year. And we're asking ourselves, what do we need to do and how do we need to deal with the things that are going on in the world because of the implications that they will have in our lives. And so because of that, we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew. We're looking at chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. Then Yeshua went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yeshua said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, 
but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be made safe. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight be not in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be great tribulations, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be made safe. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But for that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. 
so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two will be at the grinding mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over all his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the disciples ask Yeshua what will be the sign of his coming, we see two things here. There will be two signs for two different generations to look forward to. And the generations are separated by the time period of 2300 years because the first generation is going to be preparing themselves for the abomination of desolation. The second generation will be not so much looking for the abomination of desolation because they're looking behind them and they already know from history that the abomination of desolation took place thousands of years ago. What the second generation is to focus on is the recognition that the time period of the abomination of desolation is ending because it's at the end of the time period of the abomination of desolation that the Messiah will come within a short period of time. And that's why he tells us this generation will not pass away until these things happen because we know the generations that existed during the time that the abomination of desolation was set up, they have already passed away because no flesh lives forever. So these people who were living during that time period and experiencing what was going on with the abomination of desolation, witness it. Many died in the midst of it. Those who survived it wrote about it, left information in history for us to read about regarding it and tried to give us a warning of what to look for and how to avoid going through the tribulations that they went through during their time period. When we go to Daniel and we read about the abomination of desolation, let's go see what it says. Daniel chapter 11. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now... I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion, 
and do according to his will. And when he has risen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided towards the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted, even for others besides these. Also the king of the south shall become strong, as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. And at the end of some years, they shall join forces. For the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the power of her authority. And neither he nor his authority shall stand. But she shall be given up with those who brought her. And with him who begot her. And with him who strengthened her in those times. But a branch of her roots, one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north, and deal with them and prevail. And he shall also carry their goods captive to Egypt, with their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold. And he shall continue more years than the king of the north. Also the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. However, his sons shall stir up strife and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overwhelm them, pass through. Then he shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. And the king of the south shall be moved with rage and go out and fight with him, with the king of the north, who shall muster a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into the hand of his enemy. When he has taken away the multitude, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cast down tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. For the king of the north will return, and muster a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come at the end of some years with a great army and much equipment. So in those times, Many shall rise up against the king of the south. Also violent men of your people shall exalt themselves in fulfillment of the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound and take a fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not withstand him. Even his choice troops shall have no strength to resist. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will, and no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom, and the upright ones with him. Thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of woman to destroy it. But she shall not stand with him or be for him. After this, he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many. But a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end. And with the reproach removed, he shall turn back on him. Then he shall turn his face towards the fortress of his own land. But he shall stumble and fall and not be found. There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. But within a few days he shall be destroyed but not in anger or in battle. And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor or royalty. But he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. 
with the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest places of the province, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches, and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. But these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table. But it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. So he shall do damage and return to his own land. At the appointed time, he shall return and go towards the south. But it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage. For he shall return and shall regard to those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him. And they shall defile the sanctuary forces. That they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery. But the persons who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. But many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what is determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the gods of his father, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many, and divide the land for gain. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and many ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. 
He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heel. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. And when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people have been completely shattered, all things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. And I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to 1,000 335 days, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will rise to your inheritance at the end of the days. We see here in Daniel that Daniel is given two time periods that the people of Israel are going to go through a great tribulation. That first time period that the great tribulation comes will be after the Babylonian captivity. And that's what we have been reading in the book of Ezekiel. Because keep in mind, in the book of Ezekiel, Daniel and Ezekiel are already in captivity in Babylon when they receive these visions. And God speaks to them. And God sends his messengers, his heavenly body men to speak to Daniel. And God himself deals with most of the talking when it comes to Ezekiel. And so what we see is that Daniel is being told while he's in captivity in Babylon that a time period is coming that his people are going to go through a great tribulation. The Messiah tells his disciples, he tells them there's two great tribulations that's going to take place on God's people. The first tribulation is going to usher in the tribulation time period of the abomination of desolation being stood up in the holy place. 
We see that in the book of Maccabees. Maccabees tells us how the Feast of Dedication was instituted and why it was instituted. I particularly, for myself, it's not that I don't honor the Feast of Dedication. Usually for me, when it comes to the Feast of Dedication, I don't go out and participate in the things that are taking place during that time frame of the Feast of Dedication for eight days. I have a tendency to kind of stay home, be quiet, do a lot of studying as much as possible. Because personally, when I read the things that took place and what caused this to happen, I understand why they did it. But the lighting of the menorah and all of that, you don't see that when you read the book of Maccabees, when it comes to the menorah and all the traditional things that we are given when it comes to this holiday period of the Feast of Dedication. And in fact, I've experienced it being celebrated here in the United States. While I lived overseas, I didn't celebrate an experience. I didn't attend any celebrations for Hanukkah. Although, you know, I would attend service and of course they would talk on Hanukkah during that time period. But I didn't get involved with the celebrating the physical activities of it during that time period. From that time on, I have mostly just not found an interest in celebrating the way the traditional way is for uh, the feast of Hanukkah. It's not a biblical feast that God gave to us because God says, these are my feast days. Hanukkah is not one of them that he listed. The rededication of the temple was instituted during the time period of the Maccabees because of the tribulations that they were going through at that time. We're going to first look at 1 Maccabees because Daniel is really the connecting key to the time period that we're living in now. And the book of Daniel is the connecting key to the timeline from the time of the Babylonian captivity all the way down through today. So when you take a look at history, it's hard to connect the dots without first knowing about the time period of Isaiah and Jeremiah when God was warning them before they even went into the Babylonian captivity, straighten up, stop doing what you're doing. I'm sending you into captivity if you don't stop doing what you're doing. I'm moving you out of the land. I'm throwing you out of the land because of the things you're doing. They wouldn't listen. And eventually, when you read Jeremiah, it gives you great detail on how God stirred up King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and destroy the temple, destroy the city, and move them out of Jerusalem and take them into captivity into Babylon. And while Daniel and Ezekiel are there in this captivity period, God deals with them to give messages to the future generations coming of what to expect. So when Yeshua tells them to pay attention to the abomination of desolation. When they see the abomination of desolation take place, he tells them to flee to the mountains, to not come back, to get your clothes, to pray that your flight isn't on the Sabbath day and that it's not in the winter. And all these things he tells them that it's going to be a terrible time period for them because those who remain in the city will die. So if you have the opportunity to get away and you see these things happening, you should immediately pack up and leave. And because that way you may be able to have your life spared until things settle down. And it's going to be years before things settle down. Alexander the Great has conquered the world. 
and he has died. So now you look at First Maccabees, it says, After Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian, who came from the land of Kittim and defeated Darius, king of the Persians and the Medes, he succeeded him as king. So this is telling you that in that book of Daniel, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold, the chest and the arms were made of silver. In that time period of silver, the Medes and the Persian king reigned. Okay, and then you go down past the arms and the chest, you get the belly, and the belly is bronze. That's during the period of Alexander the Great. And then Alexander wasn't conquered. He died from, uh, I'm guessing, liver failure because he drank too much. He basically drank himself to death. And when he died, his commanders took over the kingdom. Each one of them, there were four of them that each had a certain area that they ruled over. And so the death of Alexander brings in one of them was Antiochus Epiphanes. It says, after Alexander had reigned 12 years, he died. Then his officers began to rule, each in his own place. They all put on crowns after his death, and so did their sons after them for many years. Because remember Daniel, he's standing at the river, and then he see these beasts and the horns and the crowns, and so many got this and all. When you read all of that, you come back and you read in the Maccabees, you will be able to relate which kings took over after Alexander's death. Because you don't see that in the Bible. So you have to go into history to dig it out. And so anyway, they all put on crowns after his death. And so did their sons after them. Meaning that as these kings died off, they passed their crowns onto their sons. And they caused many evils on the earth. From them came a sinful root, Antiochus, Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king. He had been a hostage in Rome. He began to reign in the 137th year of the kingdom of the Greeks. So that would have been 137 BC. In those days, lawlessness came forth from Israel and misled many, saying, let us go make a covenant with the Gentiles around us. For since we separated from them, many evils have come upon us. Now, Keep in mind here, God gave the angel the message to tell Daniel that after 70 years, he was going to revisit them while they were in Babylonian captivity. So when Daniel received this message, he's in Babylonian captivity, he in Ezekiel. And at that point, King Nebuchadnezzar, he died and his son took his place. His son became the leader. That's where you see the handwriting on the wall. His son went in and took all of the holy items that had been raided from the temple in Jerusalem and brought into Babylon, and they were placed in a special room. So his son went in there and gathered all of those things and started using those things to um, praise in his God, hail to the God of this, all his pagan gods and stuff. And then that's when you see the hand comes out and is writing on the wall and God tells him this very moment now your kingdom has been taken away from you and he gives it into the hands of the Persians. Daniel gets to see this transformation take place going from the head of gold to the arms and the chest of silver. During the rulership of the Persian kings, Daniel and his companions was given permission by the king Darius to return to Jerusalem and rebuild Jerusalem. So during that time period, when they went back to rebuild things, the Persian kingdom was conquered 
by Alexander the Great. So when Alexander the Great conquered the Persian Medes kingdom, Israel at that time, they were there, they had rebuilt things, they were trying to get their nation back together again and to worshiping and honoring the laws of God and to get back into covenant with him is what they were trying to do. And they fell under the rule of Alexander the Great. And so when they fell under the rule of Alexander the Great, they had to abide by the rulers who had now taken control of Alexander's kingdom right after Alexander died. When these rulers came in, the people who were in the land at the time that Nehemiah and Ezra rebuilt the temple and came back to try and honor the feast of God and live by the instructions that God had given them, at that time, you had people who had become, they call them Hellenistic Jews, because for the short period of time that they were under the rule of Alexander the Great, they got to the point where they started enjoying the the ways that things took place in these other societies. Because remember, Babylonian influence had come in. The influence of what was happening with the Persians and the Medes had come in. And now the influence of what is happening with the Greeks has infiltrated into Israel, into the land. And so when they have all of these things, you have people who are of the covenant, Hebrew Israelites, and they take a look at what the word of God says and how they're living their lives. And they decide, you know, yes, I love God and I like all that God does for me, but I like this over here too. So they decide that, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit of both. If we're required to keep the Sabbath, but the king who's ruling over us don't require to keep the Sabbath, then I think I'll just go ahead and just not keep the Sabbath. And I'll just go ahead and not worry about what I'm eating. So you had Hebrew Israelites who decided that they wanted to live their lifestyles more on the side of what was happening with the Greeks at that time. So that's why they said, let us go and make a covenant with the Gentiles round about us. For since we separated from them, many evils have come upon us. Because for a short period of time, they were there trying to just have their own nation back. And they say, well, all of these things are happening. Let's just join with the Greeks. And they says, this proposal pleased many of them. Some of the people eagerly went to the king. He authorized them to observe the ordinances of the Gentiles. And of course, you know, when you learn new things, they come in and they kind of infiltrate what you already have going. And then you have a mixture of the two. So they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, according to the Gentile custom, and removed the marks of circumcision and abandoned the Holy Covenant. They joined with the Gentiles and sold themselves to do evil. When Antiochus saw that his kingdom was established, he determined to become the king of the land of Egypt, that he might reign over both kingdoms. So he invaded Egypt with a strong force, with chariots and elephants and cavalry, and a large fleet. He engaged Ptolemy, king of Egypt, at the battle, and Ptolemy turned and fled before him, and many were wounded and fell. And they captured the fortified cities in the land of Egypt, and he plundered the land of Egypt. After subduing Egypt, Antiochus returned. In the 143rd year, he went up against Israel and came to Israel with a strong force. He arrogantly entered the sanctuary 
and took the golden altar, the lampstand for the light, and all its utensils. He took also the table for the bread of the presence, the cups of drink offerings, the bowls of golden censers, the curtain, the crowns, and the gold decorations on the front of the temple. He stripped it all off. He took the silver and the gold and the costly vessels. He took also the hidden treasures which he found. Taking them all, he departed to his own land. So where's his own land at? He went and he took over Egypt. Now he's gone to Israel and went into Jerusalem, robbed the holy temple of the holy vessels and things that was in it, that they were using. And then he returned to his own land. His own land was in the land of Greece. He committed deeds, murder, and spoke with great arrogance. Israel mourned deeply in every community. Rulers and elders groaned. Maidens and young men became faint, and the beauty of women faded. Every bridegroom took up the lament. She who sat in the bridal chamber was mourning. Even the land shook for its inhabitants, and all of the house of Jacob was clothed with shame. Two years later, the king sent to the cities of Judah's chief a collector of tribute, and he came to Jerusalem with a large force. Deceitfully, he spoke peaceable words to them. And they believed him, but he suddenly fell upon the city, dealt it a severe blow, and destroyed many people of Israel. He plundered the city, burned it with fire, and tore down houses and the surrounding walls. And they took captive the women and children and seized the cattle. Then they fortified the city of David with a strong wall and strong towers, and it became a citadel. And they stationed there a sinful people, lawless men. These strengthened their position. So what he stationed in the cities were Hellenistic Jews. Because lawless people, meaning they were people who did not honor the instructions of God. They did not honor the commandments that God had given to Moses to pass on down to his people Israel. It became an ambush against the sanctuary. These lawless men worked with the men of Antiochus so that they could become strong against the people of Israel. They stored up arms and food and collecting the spoils of Jerusalem, they stored them there and became a great snare. It became an ambush against the sanctuary, an evil adversary of Israel continually. On every side of the sanctuary, they shed innocent blood. They even defiled the sanctuary. Because of them, the residents of Jerusalem fled. She became a dwelling of strangers. She became strange to her offspring, and her children forsook her. Her sanctuary became desolate as a desert. Her feasts were turned into mourning, and her Sabbaths into a reproach. Her honor into contempt. Her dishonor now grew as great as her glory. Her exaltation was turned into mourning. Then the king wrote to the whole kingdom that all should be one people and that each should give up his customs. All the Gentiles accepted the command of the king. Many, even from Israel, gladly adopted his religion. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbath. And the king sent letters by messengers to Jerusalem and the cities of Judah. He directed them to follow customs strange to the land, to forbid burnt offerings and sacrifice and drink offerings in the sanctuary, to profane the Sabbaths and feasts, to defile the sanctuary and the priests, to build altars and sacred precincts, 
and shrines for idols, to sacrifice swine and unclean animals, and to lead their sons uncircumcised. They were to make themselves abominable by everything unclean and profane, and so they should forget the law and change all the ordinances. And whoever does not obey the command of the king shall die. In such words he wrote to his whole kingdom, and he appointed inspectors over all the people and commanded the cities of Judah to offer sacrifices city by city. Many of the people, every one who forsook the law, joined them, and they did evil in the land. They drove Israel into hiding in every place of refuge they had. Now on the 15th day of Chislev, in 145th year, they erected a desolation sacrilege upon the altar of burnt offerings. They also built altars in the surrounding cities of Judah and burned incense at the doors of the houses in the streets. The books of the law, which they found, they tore to pieces and burned with fire. Where the book of the covenant was found in the possession of many, or if anyone adhered to the law, the decree of the king commanded him to death. They kept using violence against Israel, against those found month after month in the cities. And on the 25th day of the month, they offered sacrifice on the altar, which was upon the altar of burnt offerings. According to the decree, they put to death the women who had their children circumcised, and their families and those who circumcised them, they hung the infants on the mother's necks. But many in Israel stood firm and were resolved in their hearts to not eat unclean food. They chose to die rather than to be defiled by food or to profane the holy covenant, and they did die. And very great wrath came upon Israel. That is what's written in the first book of Maccabees, chapter 1. So, in the month of Chislev, on the 25th day of the month, in the 145th year, they erected a desolation sacrilege upon the altar of burnt offerings. There goes that fulfillment of Daniel. When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, then know that your time is drawing very near, and you're to flee. And it says here that many of them did flee. Many of them just got out of the city and went into hiding in the mountains or wherever they could hide at, because those who stayed in the cities, we see what took place. They were forced to give up the laws of God, stop keeping the Sabbath, eat unclean things, stop circumcision, not recognize any of the feast days, and on and on and on it went. In contrast to what we see in Maccabees, we compare this to what the Messiah said after that tribulation time period. Because he says in Matthew verse 29 of chapter 24, Immediately after those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And I've already shown to you, the sun represents Abraham's faith in God. The moon represents Sarah, her trust in raising Isaac and teaching Isaac in God's ways. And the stars represent the tribes of Israel, which comes from the line of Jacob. So why are they not showing their light? Why is the sun darkened? Why is the moon 
not showing her light? And why are the stars falling from heaven? It's all a spiritual connotation of what will be happening in the last days. And the spiritual symbolism is that, first of all, since the tribes of Israel has been scattered to the four winds or four parts, four corners of the earth, their ability to be able to shine their light will be severely impacted within the nation that they are living in, within the countries that they're living in as they are scattered throughout the world. And that has to do with the fact that what is the religious system that are set up among the Gentile nations where they're scattered at. Even though here in America, Christianity has always been the highest population as far as the worship of God goes. The point is, is that Christianity has been obscured in worship in the sense that it is mostly led by Sunday worship, a type of worship that man has instituted as opposed to the worship that God has instituted. And basically that is how it is with most of the nations on the face of the earth today. Worship has to do with the pagan system. It has very little to do with the system that God gave to our ancestors to take to the world and become a light to the world by doing the instructions he gave our ancestors to do. And so therefore, the sun being darkened means that people are living in a dark world. Spiritually, they are living in a dark world. They can't make heads or tails of what is true, what matters, what doesn't matter, because the stars have fallen from heaven and they themselves, many of them are mixed up in the pagan worship system within the countries that they're living in. The moon not giving her light is the fact that there's no one there. Her comfort to guide and instruct her children and protect them and teach them according to rights and wrongs in life. What God requires of us is no longer there. And God has told us in his promises given to us in the Torah, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy, wherever we are, he would be a small sanctuary to us. And once we decide to make it up in our lives, in our hearts and in our minds, that we want to worship the true living God and we call out to him, he will hear our prayers and our cries to him and he will surely answer us. Right now, we are the minority in the world when it comes to practicing and doing what he gave our ancestors instructions to do. But he's waking us up now. He's waking us up to our identity as his people. And he is waking us up to the importance that we are truly living in the final days before the Messiah return. Now is not the time to be asleep. Now is not the time to be weak. Now is not the time to abandon all that we know is true. And for the things that we don't know are true, we need to turn to him, ask him to give us understanding of the word as we study his word, ask him to lead us and guide us into his truths. And once we receive those truths in our heart, we need to stand firm on them because we must also keep in mind the character 
of the God that we worship. He hates a lie. He hates a lie. And the world we are living in now is filled with lies. If you hear someone tell you something and part of what they're saying to you is true and part of what they're saying to you is a lie, that means the whole thing is a lie because you cannot mix the lie with the truth and call it the truth. You stand firm on the truth and only the truth. In this world, it is difficult to do that. It's very difficult to do that. You will be persecuted for doing that. I was reading just the other day where, um, when it came to this latest presidential election, a couple of the poll workers here in the state of Georgia were fired for giving their testimony about what they witnessed when it came to what was happening with the election and counting the ballots. They were fired. So that tells you that we are under a governmental system that would rather embrace the falsehood, the lies, than embrace the truth. And why would they do that? Because what is important to them is their agenda. They have all colluded together and decided that this president that is currently sitting in office is not working to achieve their agenda. And as long as he's not doing that, they are prepared to go to whatever measures, take whatever means they have to take in order to remove him from office. And I say collusion because when it comes to an IT perspective, I've spent 30 years dealing with IT security. I've been trained. I have worked. I have performed the duties that is required to analyzing security data to finding breaches, to correcting the breaches, to reporting the breaches, to doing all of the upgrades and the standards, changing out systems, looking at the encryption of data, decrypting data, all of the policies and regulations that is required in order to have a secure system, as well as understanding the people who are operating those systems and the tasks that they perform to circumvent the purpose of the system by colluding with others. And lots of time, the collusion doesn't take place with, between just one or two people. Oftentimes, you will find managers involved with the collusion. You will also find external entities outside of the organization involved in the collusion. Usually, it always points back to a specific agenda that is trying to be reached by someone, whether they're external to the organization or internal to the organization. In order for them to achieve that agenda, they will give bribes. They will do what is necessary to be done in order to achieve the agenda. Now, when the collusion is detected, it is the responsibility of the high-level officials, senior management, corporate managers, whoever is involved inside the organization as well as outside of the organization if it goes that far. It is their responsibility to correct it, to bring it to a halt, and make an example of the colluders to say that this will never happen again, that there is a great price to be paid for colluding to manipulate and scheme and carry out a series of tasks in order to 
achieve your agenda. So when I look at what has taken place with this election between the Democratic and the Republican candidates, I see collusion all over it. From an IT perspective, it is definitely corruption, collusion, and it was definitely planned. And without going any farther about that, the whole point about it is that when you find yourself in a situation where you are a person of responsibility, you interpret what is shown, the evidence that you gather, you make a decision, and you're required to do what needs to be done in order to stay on the side of truth, regardless of how painful that truth may be. If you want to stand for the right and stand for the good, that means abiding by the truth, because otherwise, You are doing everything you can to tear down and replace the truth with a lie and therefore bringing in evil and destroying a system that is supposed to work for the good of everyone involved. But when a lie is lifted up over the truth, it always destroys lives and bring in a host of evil things that take place after it that can never be corrected until the people all come together and say, hey, enough is enough. We're going to put an end to this and we're going to set it right. And in order to set it right, you must abide by the truth. And God has already laid out for his people in the Torah what is true. And he's also given us his character to know that we can trust in him to guide us through the storms that we need to go through in order to always fight for the truth and come out the victors for the purpose of standing on the truth. That is why the Messiah says to us in these last days of this final tribulation that his people will go through, he gives us a clue that we know that we are at the very end of the last days in the parable of the fig tree. He says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all the way. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And we are truly living in these days of Noah. People are planning weddings. We have it not just in this country, but if you go out and you take a look at other countries, for example, we're going through COVID-19. Other countries have already given information when you go searching for the information because you don't hear much of any of this information on the mainstream news presses anymore. They don't 
they report about such frivolous stuff, things that doesn't matter at all. And when they do report about things that do matter, they have a very biased report to give. The report is always in favor of the way they see it. And you never hear an opposition to the actuality of the event that really took place that they're reporting on. You need to go seeking and searching on your own to find the real truth because what they're reporting is always their opinion or based on a lie. But in any case, when I go searching, I see that many countries have been having issues with these vaccines because of the ingredients in the vaccines. And when you go and you study what is on the CDC about the ingredients in the vaccine, from a medical perspective, we see messenger RNA in the vaccines, as well as a host of other viruses that they said are dead viruses, little snippets of it in the vaccine. They're injecting people with these vaccines and they themselves admit that they don't know how people will really react to these vaccines. But one thing that has been reported among the medical experts, such as Dr. Fauci and others, that when you get these vaccines, it doesn't mean that your life is going to go back to the way it used to be. We are in what they call now a new normal. Well, what's the purpose of the vaccines if life is not going to go back to the old normal, the normal that people were used to? And from everything that is being said from the World Health Organization, from the CDC, from our government officials, not just in this country, but also in numerous other countries around the world, they have all said that we are moving to a one world order. And it's time for us as people, the common everyday people, to wake up to this and accept what they are saying. Whether or not this gets achieved is between those who are determined to achieve it and those who are determined they're not going to be a part of it. That really is in the hands of God. We know how the story ends. We know what will happen. The thing is, who will survive and who will not survive as we go through this physical as well as spiritual battle in this world? Because it's not just in this country, it's throughout the entire world. And those who want to do the right thing are greatly outnumbered by those who want to do the evil thing. So that means for those who want to do the right thing, they're going to need a powerful force to fight their battle for them. And that powerful force is God himself. There's no getting around that because we as mere human beings who want to do the right thing, we're the ones without the money. We are the ones without the economic ability to stand up against the evil forces. So our weapon, our weapons of destruction is the word of God. And that's what he tells us. And that's why we're to stand firm on the word of God. It looks like a great divide is coming, a great divide between those who want to stand on the word of God, as opposed to those who have no trust in the word of God. And you have those who are not quite so sure who they can believe and trust and who they can't believe and trust. Those I call are the ones who are straddling the fence. 
And whether they believe it or not, the truth is God only has one group of people that he call his people. And when he returns to this world, when he gets involved, he is going to separate those that are doing his instructions from those who are not doing his instructions. And the rewards will given to each group according to the choices they've made and the things they've done. These are the things that we should keep in mind when it comes to this time that we are now in. This time is going to be a short time. It's quickly coming to an end. However, because of all the things that are happening and will continue to happen, the more they happen, the longer the time period will seem to those of us who are having to experience what is happening in this world every day. I'm sure it wasn't so long ago, at the beginning of this year, there were many people who had jobs, making good incomes, meeting their financial obligations. And for the most part, even though they may have been going through some financial worries or some health worries, for the most part, they were pretty content with their lives. A lot of those people today are homeless, don't know where their next meal is going to come from, or if they still have a roof over their head, they're expecting to be evicted any day now, particularly after the Christmas break is over with. Now they have to face new worries. When you read the newspapers or you listen to the news on your IT devices, depending on the articles that you click on, you will find parents are killing their children and then killing themselves because they cannot deal with the economic woes that are now upon them. They never saw it coming. They weren't prepared for this. You're finding people who have lost their homes and therefore they're forced to move into the home with a loving, caring relative who don't think the way they do. And you have now divisions within the home because those people who have moved into your home with you and have different ideas of how life should be, they don't share your spiritual goals or your financial goals or whatever it is that you may have dividing you. And you're going to have frequent outbreaks of arguments, anger, distrust, contention. You have children who are being robbed of their education because of coronavirus. Schools are closed. And for the schools that are open, children are being sent home because they've tested positive for coronavirus. And then they have anywhere from 7 to 14 days that they're not allowed to come back to school. And when parents are working while their children are in school, now the parents are put in a compromising position because it's either you have your child stay home by themselves or you try to pay someone to be there to take care of your child and watch over your child while he or she are at home because of coronavirus while you continue to work. Or if you're the primary caregiver, you may have to leave your job and stay home and take care of your child yourself. And now you're in jeopardy of losing your job because of the fact that you can't be there to perform it and take care of your child at the same time who's not allowed to be in school because of coronavirus. All of these things are very stressful things to deal with in life, but they're going to become even more stressful. And you should always go out and Google some of the things you hear me talk about. Go do your own research, whatever stones you need to overturn 
in order to find out whether or not there's truth to the things that I'm telling you, you should go and you should start checking them out. One of the more recent important things you should be aware of is the fact that our monetary system, as we know it, not just in this country, but in all the countries, will soon come to an end for the purpose of going to a one-world monetary system. For the United States dollar, that system was Libra. Well, they've recently changed the name to it. Diem is now the name of the new digital system that they will soon bring into operation here in the United States. And it's due to start operation next month. Apparently, it looks like it may run in parallel for a time period with our paper and coin monetary system. But slowly, bit by bit, the heat will be turned up so that the only way you will be able to buy and sell will be with the digital monetary system. If you have not taken the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy and sell. This means you won't be able to enter grocery stores. You won't be able to enter restaurants. You won't be able to do a lot of things and go a lot of places that you've always had the freedoms to do without having a vaccinated certificate to show that you are COVID-19 free, I guess, or you've been treated for COVID-19. And in order to be able to purchase products, you will need to have the new digital system, the DM, as your mode of currency to be able to make financial transactions. And of course, you can expect that those financial transactions will eventually come to a chip or some type of code within your body or on your body to provide you with access to be able to do what you want to do. So where does that leave it for the people of God who he has told do not accept the mark of the beast? And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just bringing you into reality. We are in the time of the mark of the beast. And for God's people to be herded, because that's what this herd immunity is hurting you into a corral to accept the one world agenda. And even though the U.S. dollar is moving over to the diem, eventually the diem will be the standard of currency for the entire world. All the monies in other countries are going to put their money in with the U.S. dollar. Or who knows, it could very well by the time they get there, which will probably be within the next year, to make it a fully digital operating system. Perhaps it could even be the Chinese mode of currency with what is going on right now in our political system. Who is going to run the world as far as a major power and who isn't? In the scheme of things, the one who really will be running the world will be the one that Satan, the dragon, has given his power to. That entity will have both religious power as well as economic or governmental power. So the currency may be U.S. dollar, but the person controlling it will have both political and religious power to control the world. And everybody else will be subjected to that power, whether we like it or not. These are the things we have to look forward to over the coming, 
I would say nine years and two or three months. And I say that because when this all started, I consulted, I prayed, I fasted, I asked Abba Yah about the timeline. Because even though I have been studying his word for years, I really truly did not expect to see these things taking place during my lifetime. Although I should have realized they would be taking place during my lifetime because the Messiah also tells us this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And so here we are, families divided, those who want to go and follow after the instructions of God, opposing those who want to follow after the instructions of the beast. My prayer for you at this time is that for all those who you love, continue to pray for them and ask God to open their eyes to seeing, their ears to hearing, and their minds and their hearts to understanding, so that they can finally accept that the world is never going to be what it once was, what they have been accustomed to it being in this country. And I say in this country because I live in this country, but it is the same no matter where you're living. What the young people, the younger generations, and even the older generations have been used to is forever changed. And once you accept that, you can start focusing on doing everything that you possibly can to help teach your family and pray and be an intercessor for them as you stand before God and ask him to have mercy, to bring salvation to your whole household, even though your whole household may not be under his covering in the sense that they're not walking in his ways. But you must remember, because of his love for you, he will save your entire household. And then once they are saved and they are no longer under your covering, they will be under his covering and he will deal directly with them. That's been my prayer for my family members who, uh, they don't get it. They don't see the spiritual things in life that I see. At least quite a few of them, not all of them. Some of them, they started listening to me and they came and they started, oh, you know, I didn't see this. Actually, uh, they have gone over from Sunday worship to keeping the Sabbaths of Abba Yah and his high holy days. And I never expected to see that. But I praise God and I thank him for it because now they are doing everything that they can to teach their own children, their own spouses. And now under their coverings, Abba Yah is dealing with their families. And that is truly a blessing. And that is how it should be for each and every one of us who's coming into this. I don't care if you're just starting today. Once you make it up in your heart and your mind that you are going to worship the true living God and stand on truth and follow his ways and do what he says to do, even if your families walk away from you, it won't be because you decided to give up on them. And lots of times it doesn't mean that you're always going to be under the same roof. It means that spiritually you are under the covering of Abba Yah. And when he's ready to unite you under one roof or in one place. He will do that when the time is right for him to do it. But that's a decision for him to make. In the meantime, you stay in prayer. You stay focused on him. 
You stand firm on the word. You do what you are supposed to do, and he will take care of the rest. So may God be with you. May he give you strength, insight, and may his word be a beacon of light for you as you walk the path to doing his instructions and following his ways.